Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. All right, well, Pat, you asked the question. Do you remember what the question was? I do. It was pretty pretty simple because we went on a tangent, if you can believe that. Um, Which coach currently in the NHL is on the safest ground concerning his job status? You know, it's easy to pick apart, you know, who who's the next on the chopping block, but who who's who has the coldest seat behind the bench? Pete DeBoer. I <laughs> yeah, the guys who were just hired. <laughs> Does there is there a minimum of, of games coached? One. <laughs> I think I think one should be the minimum. So I mean, I just this past weekend I came up with a new answer, and that's clearly Wayne Gretzky, who was two and zero behind the bench this weekend at the NHL All Star festivities. Mm-hmm. Um, would that be us? That's that's uh, Rick Tockett's job too, though, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Um, that's actually my answer is Rick Tockett. Not non-sarcastic, you know, joking answer. It's probably Rick Tockett to me. I think he's got a very long runway before they start losing patience with him as a coach. Because what are we? This is owner two for him. It is. And I think that guy is just. I think the guy that now owns the the Arizona Coyotes is for all intent and purposes, appears to be smart enough to stay out of it and let John Chica sort of do what he needs to do and give them some room and money to spend they need to to try and make things up the stature of the team, I guess. So I think his is probably the safest. I think I'm going to go with, um, and I don't even know, um, Green in Vancouver. I can't think of his first name. Krebs. Thank you, because I actually watched him play in junior hockey, I think. <laughs> Can I go with, with Travis Green in Vancouver? They're 7-3-0 in their last 10, and they're sitting in fourth in the Western Conference. First in the Pacific as of yeah. end. So um I think uh he's pretty safe. I I I you know, I jokingly thought about Gretzky. But I, I think I gotta be a homer and say Brenda Moore for a variety of reasons. Uh he is He's probably the only coach in the league that isn't a career hockey coach. I think it's safe to assume this is his one and only job, so he doesn't have the... I I don't think he's worried about moving on to other territory. He's just putting what he can into this position. And I think that's reflected into what is reported as one of the lowest salaried coaches in the league, and it'd be hard to replace at any given point. And so far, he's put up results, and he's at least good for marketing. 
you know, one thing that you can't say about every coach um, outside of Claude Julien, who his uh, ability to speak French may be one of the few reasons he has job security long term. You know, we talk about intangibles all the time for for players, but I feel like coaches get it a a bit more, too. I think the bilingualism ensures Julian is always going to be up for one of two jobs, Montreal or Ottawa. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that's saving him there. Well, other than the fact that he knows how to play young players and actually get some production out of them, which is astonishing. If you look at Montreal like how they play in everything. That's the coaching system. He's a fantastic coach. He's just not got the horses in Montreal. Uh, See, I would also throw out there Jared Bednar for Colorado because, I mean, he's done really well with that team. Um, They're second in the division and second in the Western Conference. So um, I think that he probably is also one of those coaches that isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it's amazing what a little bit of prep time did to help Bednar. I mean, everyone was (laughs) very curious about his shelf life after his first season when he was hired in August. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know... What he's able to do and get guys to fill in to spots when, when players are injured. I mean, they he has that team ready to win a cup. Um, I was jokingly calling them Pittsburgh West. Because it just seems like guys were, you know, falling by the wayside to injury and they were still just humming right along. Kind of like Pittsburgh, you know. God, Pittsburgh drives me nuts. <laughs> just because yeah. of that, you know. They're they are an anomaly. And you'd think Mike Sullivan's job would be safe, and I think he's got at least two more years just by this year's performance alone, regardless of what happens in the playoffs. I think this year's regular season has earned him at least a couple more years before people start asking questions. But yeah, they are an anomaly. So that Wayne Gretzky coaching job this weekend was sure interesting. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing you guys casually or, or watched all the all-star festivities as much or as little as I did. I didn't watch any of them. I was sucked into um, spreadsheet land with NHL draft picks. <laughs> Oh, that sounds like so much more fun. <laughs> it sounds like someone's doing homework. Uh, I'm not doing homework so much as is I don't have a lot of mental stimulation at my job, so I kind of need to manufacture it. <laughs> um, and here's the point in the podcast where we go, and we hope that none of Cassie's employers are listening at this time. <laughs> they aren't. Um <laughs> But uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, I um, hockey reference allows you to download the draft as you know by year as a spreadsheet. So um, I've compiled the 
last 10 years and I think I'm going to go back 40 and need to add a couple of fields and maybe do some creative mapping out of it. So um, we'll discuss that at another time though. <laughs> it's still gathering data and organizing. Data acquisition. Um, I, I apparently am the one of the three of us that did watch. Um, I, uh, do, 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 do. I have the NBC Sports app on my Xbox. And so, and my Xbox is obviously connected to my TV, and my TV is connected to my eye bones, my eye bones connected to my brain bones, and I watched the player and puck tracking feed versus the... The broadcast. Versus the regular broadcast feed, yes. Um, actually, no, that's not fair. I watched the first period of the first game as part of the regular broadcast and then switched over to and the... Then after you woke up, correct? Um, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I... <sighs> Okay. I don't go into the, I don't know why people go into the all-star game expecting hockey. I just don't. It's not hockey. No. It's just a stupid little three on three shitty game where guys are just out there yutzing around playing at 60%, which is totally fine. You get to see some great offensive moves and passes and people, and they'll try trick shots, but I don't know why people go in expecting them, these guys to go full tilt. In the especially in the first two games. Now, obviously, that changes for the championship game because you do see them kick it up a little bit because there's money on the line. But I'm going to throw all that to the side for right now. And big huge bonus number one, and I love this. I wish I, I, I should have gone back to the streaming video. To, is um, <clears throat> as this was not the main NBC Sports feed. We got Kenny Albert and AJ Maleshko Griswold. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. And that was fantastic. And the funniest part was, is when they would throw down to Pierre to do a hit, you didn't get the audio. <gasps> and it was, it was so epic because, you know, Pierre, because obviously, you know, um, um, they're just still in the same truck doing the same feed for the broadcast side, and so they'll throw to these different cameras, and obviously they throw down to the camera of Pierre on the bench, and Kenny just says, hi, Pierre, and then it's like 30 seconds of nothing because Pierre was doing his little hit, and then they came back to Kenny and them doing the broad, doing the play-by-play. -play. That's beautiful. It was, it was, it was so magical. <laughs> it was so magical. I, I think they do keep the feeds up, so I may go back and see if I can't cap that, because that, that was the highlight to me. Um, but I did that solely for research purposes, watch that feed, because they obviously had all of the little dongles attached to the players and the puck tracking and all of that kind of stuff. And I was wanting to see what they were prototyping for a broadcast. And I think they pulled some of the elements into the normal broadcast. They did from time to time. It was very irregular. Yeah. That's kind of what I heard. Um but it was funny. They fixed on a camera location a couple of times. And they had all of the overlays on. Not, not the player names overhead, because, God, that's awful. But <laughs> they had the puck possession circle on. And I was just watching NHL. NHL 20. I was watching Chell, brah. EA Sports Chell. It was just hysterical, because as soon as... 
the puck got into uh, range area of a player, the little circle underneath that player on the ice lit up. And then when they passed it, it went away. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm just watching NHL 20. I'm just, you know, watching a Twitch stream because the way they had the camera angle up was from one end of the rink as opposed to the side, which they always do for broadcasts. So you would just, you know, see a pass over and the circle light up under um, Patchy Ready. <laughs> just going, that's gel, bra. And it irritated the bejeebus out of me that they had the the tracking, the box tracking tail on the puck at the same time they had that on because that became too much. Do one or the other, don't do both. You don't need to follow the puck, right? I don't need to see the trail of the puck to see that it's a it's a saucer pass from Dreisaitl to McDavid. You know, I see he did something and it's going, and then McDavid's got it because this circle under McDavid lit up. Who's got the puck? The guy with the circle under him. How easy is that? But nostalgia. Yeah, I. there are so many people that are like, bring back so, the puck. So what you're saying, Cassie, is instead of a circle, you want it to be a star around the player with the puck. Well, I didn't say that. You did, but sure. <laughs> NHL 94 all the way, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, it was an all-star game. And that's your moment of dad jokes from me this week. (laughs) Uh, Mic drop. No, please don't, because it'll make a horrible racket. I'll have to edit out later. Um, I didn't like the placement of the... They did the the, uh, persistent top banner graphic where they had who was on the ice and their ice times, and the ice times would... Once you got above 45 seconds, the bar showing the clock on that player would turn red. Mm. Why? Because <laughs> they said there were, that's sort of, you know, when a player is out, they always, uh, back up. You always hear 45 second shifts, right? Yes, at five on five. Yeah. Well, that's why. They just set it at 40, they just set it at 45 seconds. And so it's an three. arbitrary time that they threw out there because they felt like it, is what you're saying? It kind of. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's that's a way for them to say, oh, they've been out there for, for a minute. You know, they're starting to maybe get a little bit tired. And I'm going, yeah, you're not watching the same game because they're barely moving. Um, <laughs> but I get where you're coming from. Interesting. You know, when this goes into five on five, yes. You know, it'll be, it'll be an interesting data point to say that, you know, this guy's been out there for 125 and this guy's been out there for 110. But more accurate ice times, eh. Whatever. Um, I know on the main broadcast, and I think it may have been a little less obtrusive, um, but above the, the game feed, they had kind of possession stats, basically. How much time a team had in the zone, how much time the team had the puck, and uh, some other percentage I can't think off the top of my head. And it was kind of on gray, muted background, so you could kind of anno- ignore it up at the top of the screen. But the entire time watching, I thought, why don't they place this below the top of the screen? There's so much dead area 
anyway because you, you deal with the boards and you get parts of the crowd based on camera angles. I feel like it would just work better low. Visually, you're that's exactly where I was leading to is, uh, um, you know, that that bottom third of the camera angle is generally just the pe- back of people's heads. And, you yeah. know, I if the if the guy behind the camera doesn't know to adjust to give you a little bit of headspace, you know, because that graphic is going to take up however, you know, however wide it is, 120 picks or whatever, then you end up chopping things because that was one of the things I saw a few times is when they try and use those brutally obnoxious name tags over the players, um, they'd get cut because they'd end up flying behind that graphic because the camera ops just centering what he normally centers on. So I think, yeah, if you're going to do, if you're going to use the thing over the heads, put all of your graphics on the bottom. Mm-hmm. That makes too it, much sense, though. Because you just, you're not cutting advertisers, you're not cutting anything else. You can still do your little fly-in promos every once in a while at the top like they normally do, but that stuff belongs at the bottom if you're going to tag the player's graphics or tag the player na- player's name graphic over their head. And this has been Patrick's rant on All-Star Game broadcast presentation. Um, the other thing that annoyed me was the... It, it annoyed me because I didn't like it, but the way they executed it was beautiful. It was the... Um, animated board overlay around the boards. I've seen it attempted in the past in the way they do it graphically. It always drove me nuts because there would be too much of a halo around the player mm-hmm. against the boards. And you would see, you know, basically like the vapor trail, a little bit of that player. And they never get, they used to never get the, bend of the boards correct when they'd when they'd attempt to wrap around the end boards you know the perspective and everything is based on where the camera is based on where the board is you know how the angles and everything and so those digital board ads i didn't like them but they were executed beautifully as far as technical as far as the technical side of that it was a bit jarring and and when they'd cut to a different camera angle and then that'd all be gone, right? I'm in the middle of being blasted with an ad of for um, Enterprise or something and they cut to a different camera angle and you see the normal boards there with the static ads. Just like, pick one or the other, you know. If you've got, if you've got the... If you've got the computational and real-time ability to do it where, it where it handles the angles of the boards and the curvature and the glass and the whole nine yards, you can do it everywhere. That's my thing. I won't get into the politics of overlaying digital ads on boards when I already have advertisements on it. I'm talking to Jean Shannon about that on Twitter. Shout out. 
Yeah, we're kind of going a little bit back and forth. I get certain games and broadcasts, the NHL controls the board space totally. But if this is technology that's coming as part of the player tracking and stuff and starts intruding in on non-main event, you know, non-winter classic, non-all-star game, non-semifinal, conference semifinals and Stanley Cup final games... It's going to honk some people off. And by people, I mean the people that pay money to have their advertisements on the boards of hockey arenas. So, before I go down a different rabbit hole, did you have any problem with the ads adjusting or like being altered during the course of play? Because I saw a few gripes about that, and I'll be honest, it just kind of blended into the background where, you know, an ad would be transitioning or animating during the course of play, and people were calling for, well, you know, I get this is coming, I don't really like it, but maybe the changes should only happen between whistles and be static while the puck was in motion, let's just say. Did you have any experience with that? Because I didn't, but it was a, I, I did a little quote unquote research today, and that was one of many things to come out of uh, discussions from last night and tonight, or uh, this morning. Most of them were white background and just simple overlays of, you know, company logo and wordmark and piddly stuff like that. So the transitions, even though they were animated, they weren't horrible. Um, and kind of like you, it just became background noise to me. The only thing, the only one that I didn't really like, just and it's just pure graphically, it was the goal one. You know, somebody scored a goal and it just cut to the stylized Blues All-Star game graphic background and font and everything and some animated goal thing. It's like, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> you know, you're just a half step shy of doing like a big onomatopoeia cartoon thing on the screen when somebody scores, right? <laughs> you just have the biff like the old Batman. When somebody scores, it's just goal. Leave it out, you know. I don't want to watch your background graphic. I kind of, I'm more interested. Stupid me, and I'm old, and I'm white, and I know it's not for me, but I would rather see the crowd and the players on the ice and that kind of stuff and not have that in the background distracting me. Yeah. Well, what the let's... screen at center ice is for? <laughs> well, in arena, yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know why you would need that on TV. Well, there are lots of things we don't need on TV, but we get them anyway. Mm-hmm. Thus, the NBC broadcast. Uh, one, la- one last note on this, because I, I just pulled it up. But Elliot Friedman had a kind of a side-by-side look at how different broadcasters in different countries were basically at the same moment in a game Here's what their ads looked like. And let me just tell you, 
Sweden, Finland, and Switzerland, they know how to do some board ads because they're nice, dark colors. They actually kind of pop, but they look interesting. And they create some visual separation from the ice. And I'll be honest, like, I notice them, but I don't notice them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it actually made the screen look a little nicer. Like there was a better contrast between the playing surface and the crowd. So I, I, I pray some U.S. and Canadian advertisers, um, you know, will see this and think it looks cool or different enough to, you know, get them a little bit of money. I would, um, I put this, that, that sort of leads back to an interesting question I've always had, but never really brought up anywhere. Why, why haven't they just changed the color of the boards? No idea. Um, tradition. There's, but (laughs) whose tradition? Well, that's the thing is that the NHL is, they like to like drag out quote unquote traditions, but they're, more than happy to toss them to the wayside without a second thought. So, I mean, I don't know. It's because it's it's been that way for as long as I can remember, or other right, people I, can remember. I, you know, I I come from the era where there used to be no advertising on the boards. It was right. just white boards, and Which, I always said, why do they have to be white? Well, it, it probably the same reason the ice surface is completely white. It's contrast with the puck. But, I mean, you introduce something early enough and everyone will adjust after bitching and moaning takes place. Uh, are you kidding? We still have people who are bitching and moaning about um, white jerseys being for away games. Oh, most white jerseys are boring. And so how, how far, how long has, has it been since that was changed? <laughs> well, just like, as I said, I was doing research on last night's game. Uh, Mark Lazarus from The Athletic, Chicago, he 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 just threw the ball out into the abyss and said, "All right, how'd you fix the All Star Game slash weekend?" And you know, half the responses are cancel it. Well, yes, it, it's not real hockey. Get over yourself. Have a little fun for you know. Enjoy. God, I saw his tweet and and I almost jumped in with that sentiment. It's like just let it go. If you, I granted. They're holding the gun to your head to cover it because you're, you know, you're beat writer for the Blackhawks and yada, yada, yada. But how about you turn off the real hockey mentality for the All-Star game? It's a stupid game already. We skate around on a frozen pond with knife blades on our feet, a weird shaped stick and a frozen puck and beat the crap out of each other. And you're going to get angry about an all-star game where they just screw around. It's a stupid game. Get over it. It's not for everyone. I get it. I'm just I tired of the, how do we fix the all-star game? How about you not bother with it? If you don't like it, don't bitch about it. Turn it on. Don't watch it. Right. Hey, Cassie, did you watch the All-Star game? I did not. Well, there you go. I like, personally, I like watching them even playing, even just screwing around at 50% speed. I'm not, in, I'm not like fully engaged, you know, like going, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm just watching them out there screw around and have fun because oftentimes you see them try stuff that they could never do in a game because they don't have the time or the space or they are trying stuff that maybe shows up in a game. They're just out there screwing around and there is not a damn thing wrong with it. To see Matt Barzell in full flight in three-on-three is a thing of beauty. To see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in full flight full flight and three on three is a thing of beauty. Are they going to get to full flight in an all-star game? No, but it's pretty damn close from time to time. Just let it go. Okay. With that said, I do have one idea on how to fix the weekend. (laughs) I don't see. Okay. I'm going to stop, stop broadcasting it and let the producers treat it like a regular game. Just treat it like an event. It's a showcase. Yeah, don't Bingo. don't do don't do play by play during the game. Have some players with probably not Doc, but maybe with you know Kenny Albert. Let's just say, just have one on Forslund. With Forslund, have just have a conversation. Ask them what they're seeing. What's it like to go up against a guy, and just get their general reaction when Barzell tries to do everything because he was the only player on his team that was worth a damn this weekend, um, at least in the three-on-three. Or just, you know, get a guy from from one of the teams not in the final game, you know, talking. Just don't treat it like a traditional broadcast. Don't don't give me the, the one ad break in the middle of it, you know. Give the guys, you know, a minute off, first whistle, or, well, first, get rid of the whistles. Like, let the refs have a little more fun, for God's sakes. Like, there should be no offside, no no icing. Just create continuous flowing movement. Create it as full shinny. And then just enter in some wild cards. Like, honestly, treat it like MTV Rock and Jock. Just be completely goofy and silly for a while and just watch what might happen. So, I... I want to I want to interject something. I don't want I I don't like the term fix the All Star game. How do we make it more entertaining? Improve the entertainment value of the exactly. All Star. Exactly. Yes. I like don't it. call it the game. Don't, first don't of call. All. No. I, yeah. First. Throw no, out the I'm, word game. <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine with them calling it a game because there is a sense of competition to a certain degree. And like I said, you know. In that final game, you see guys pick it up a little bit more because there is bragging rights. The the level of competition does pick up. Is it it's never gonna be NHL, you know, game thirty-two or game sixty fighting for my playoff light level of competition. The minute everyone just gets over that fact and acknowledges that, the happier we're all gonna be if they wanna compete. And push some, you know, push a little more in that final game. Have at it. But I 100% agree. Don't treat it as a normal game production. I would have loved to have seen the winner of the women's tournament play like a third place game. Yes. You know, just for fun. Or. That women's game should have taken place in between the two semifinal games. I I was thinking the same thing, but then I had to stop and go, no. 
I don't think the NHL would like that um, because it would give more fuel to the people that already bitch about the guys out there not trying that hard when they see the women out there trying harder. I think the guys themselves might be like, well, we need to step it up. Yeah. But I think the I think the NHL itself would probably be like, uh, if if we are if there was a WNHL, I think it probably would have happened. But until then, I don't think they want that third rail. I think it worked beautifully as part of the the skills competition. I think they should have gotten a dry cut, <laughs> you know, before their game started, but. That's a different story. Um, I think it worked beautifully as part of that because it, it allowed everyone to focus on them and that game. Sort of a captive audience of mostly younger people, I would assume, because Friday night skills competition tickets are generally cheaper than the game itself. So, plus they do the mascot thing earlier in the day too. So anyway, I've just... I don't think the NHL wants it anywhere near their all-star game right now. But yes, stop treating it as a game broadcast. Because, I mean, my ultimate, what I would love to see out of a weekend is create some sort of decathlon-type competition where just a bunch of silly events where... They shoot at each other? Maybe. (laughs) I I didn't say biathlon. Oh... (laughs) No, but just have, instead of having these one-off events where members of individual divisional teams or back in the day conferences compete in an event and that's it. That's all there is to it. But just have, just kind of keep a, a running tally so that, you know, the team that has the most successful weekend, so it takes the game aspect and just makes it a part of a grander competition. But you could take all the little skills challenges and spread them out. Like they could be doing so much more throughout the day on on Friday and Saturday. But everything is organized and displayed for basic television broadcast for for a live event for a game. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking man, they should just have some stuff on each of these players, each of the all-stars. They should know about them ahead of time. But just have packages that you can air while the IT department is fixing the glass for the the um, accuracy shooting competition. So we don't have this weird dead air of, oh, we're showing this, this basically maintenance being done. Like this were a live event and a pane of glass behind the net is broken. It's just broadcast like a game. And I'm 99% sure this time last year I was making these same gripes. Yeah, I think that's the one consistent with me too is they don't know what to do with it production-wise. And if you're not there, that's what you have to rely on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've... I like, and I know he beats this drum constantly, but I'm going to have to agree with Jeff Merrick. I like the idea of the ringers. Because oh, yeah. I was watching prior to the break starting. Um, I was watching a Buffalo Sabres game. And I 
love their intermission duo is Brian Duff, who used to do stuff on the NHL Network. Yes, yes. And um, Marty Buron. And they're fantastic. And one of the packages that they were showing, because it was leading into the All-Star game, was the team's skills competition. Because I, I, I'm safe in assuming that all 31 teams do their own skills competition at some point. They don't. They don't anymore. Okay. They did at one point in time, but it was like a brief period of like two or three years. And then after that, the NHL kind of abandoned that. And so now teams just do it. They often choose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I have tickets from an avalanche one a number of years ago, like 97 or 98, I think. Um, I went to a couple of connects ones when I was going to school at, at Western. But they were, but it was a cool event because it was a way to bring kids in. You know, you got a little bit of a crowd and these guys sort of got to have a little bit of fun. And um, anyway, in this particular one, the package they were showing was um, hardest shot. And Rasmus Ristolainen was cranking him up there at 105, 106, 107. Why wasn't he in the hardest shot competition? So I've been saying this for years. Is I think that I think that it should be mandatory for every kind of make it into an Olympic skills so, competition event where you have like every team do the same set of skills competition stuff, and then the top three or four or five or whatever of the entire league, you know, counting up all of the results and everything, regardless of team, should like go and and compete for that event. So this kind of leads into your decathlon idea, Pat, to a certain degree, is if every team does theirs, you know, you sort of have your knockout round, right? Everyone does it. Their their scores and times are totaled up or or calculated. God, I can't speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. They're sorted. And then you take the top five. You know, those it's like figure skating to a certain degree, right? Everyone gets their scores, and then you qualify for the medal round type thing, and then there, that's the all-star game. See, I think I think that that would it would be good generally, better generally, because you would get guys who wouldn't you wouldn't consider quote unquote all-stars participating in these events. So you would get, I mean, maybe have like the the all-star game be the all-stars, and the skills competition yeah. being. The top five at each. Yeah, event. or top ten. You know how. Yeah. You, you know, make sure Whatever, you got, yeah. You know, you do conference. You know, you do like your top five per conference of hardest shots. Yeah, and so or, you would get like, yeah. you know, fourth line guys or or like bottom pair yeah. defensemen or whatever, like hardest shot you'd, in you'd, these events, yeah. and, and you would it'd be more inclusive overall, and I think that that would be more enjoyable for the the players. And because you've got guys, I mean, it's, it's, you know, now that Zidane Ochara is not a perennial all-star, it's Shea Weber, right? Right. Who's going to beat Shea Weber? Okay. Well, it's not who's going to beat Shea Weber. It's who's going to finish second. Who's going to break a hundred miles an hour when you've got other guys in the league, like, you know, and I'm just going to bring up because I saw it and it was, I think he clocked one at one Oh seven, two in this video package was Rasmus Ristolainen. Get him out there. Well, and that's the see- thing is, that do we know that no one would beat Shea Weber if right. no one who who 
it just, has a chance at like competing against him can compete against him. Ryan Pollock from the Islanders. Good God, I can tell you that kid can bring it. it you know, it just it's they shouldn't call it. He's the fastest skater or he's the hardest shot. It's the fastest skater of the guys that are there. It's the hardest shot of the guys that are there. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying this for years that they should do this. That it should be more of like a um, a league-wide competition for the skills competition rather than just this is the competition between the All-Stars that are here. Yeah, and I know the argument against it. Well, maybe these guys don't want to go. Well, hey, that's all well and good, but, you know, and I'll use them as an example again. When is Rasmus Ristolainen ever going to get to an All-Star game? Right. I mean, these the, the guys who wouldn't normally be All-Stars would be thrilled to go, at By least large, initially. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you look at John Scott's reaction, or mm-hmm. hell, even Scotty Hartnell mm-hmm. got, um, got voted in when he kind of, you know, whatever. They were absolutely jacked to be there for a weekend. Yeah. And, you know, if they don't have to play in the game, that's fine by them. But maybe you, you know, maybe there's some incentives for winning these competitions. Well, and then on top of that, how many of the guys that were legit, you know, considered legitimate all-stars, how much more enthusiastic were they when John Scott was there, like, bubbling? Oh, God, yeah. You know, they were, like, so happy for him, and they were just so much more into the weekend. Yeah. And so it's not just a matter of these guys who normally wouldn't go being thrilled to go, but that enthusiasm is contagious. And it makes the guys who have been there like two, three times actually enjoy it more. Well, they wouldn't. I think there's, I think that's another one of those. Yeah. They'd love it because you know, their buddies their fourth line guys, the grinders, the guys that are quote unquote good in the room would get some accolades for their skills. Um, but I think the other side of it is, is these guys wouldn't have to be trotted around to these weird competitions. You know, maybe Elias Pedersen, which, by the way, <laughs> how many jaws dropped when he cranked one at 102 miles an hour? Um, <laughs> especially when you got other guys up there. Oh, this guy's a big shooter. And he, you know, he tops out at 95 or 98. Um, and this little Draco Malfoy looking SOB kids up there and rips it. Anyway, those guys who, you know, oh, I'm begrudgingly going into the hardest shot because, you know, I got kind of a hard shot. Uh, You know, hey, I'm just here so I don't get fined type thing. Would probably love not having to suit up and get out there and schlep a, you know, for for an hour and a half or whatever it is, waiting for the hardest shot competition just to get out there and take two shots and then go back and sit down because you know you're not winning. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you organize the events so the guys, they come in, they do their 30 minutes. Maybe they even do it without being in full hockey gear because does really having full equipment make a difference between, you know, a 106-mile-an-hour slap shot? Probably not. Probably has no bearing on the accuracy shooting. I get it for fastest skater. Just because if you blow a tire... Yeah, I I will say this, even though I've never played at any high level, it always felt weird, and I always played differently when I wasn't in full kit. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's. I would the be t- interested to hear players actually. Yeah, I would their, too. Because I, I would actually, have them vote on it. I'd have I, the yeah, players involved like vote on it. Because I like the fact that for the weird Top Golf competition they had, guys weren't in full gear. I, I would have preferred they didn't have to wear their jersey because God forbid, you know. <laughs> If they're not on the ice and they're doing something on TV, they have to be wearing a jersey, yeah. whether it be advertised. I wish they had some cool jersey. Jerseys. Yes. They sort should of be wearing like, their jerseys. Well, like even baseball all-star game, they have like a special skills competition jersey with the name and number, but just not a full uniform that you see them in continuously. Have some other cool merchandise that someone might want to pick up along the way. Well, hey, how's this for an idea? You know, they all get these really nifty Adidas tracksuits with the team logo and their name on there. Huh. Weird. I wonder if they could trot out there in those, maybe. And maybe. maybe, you know, Fanatic can get the colors wrong on them and the spelling of players' names and wrong and the numbers inverted and start selling them. Um but yeah, but trot them out in something other than their jersey, and then when they're done with their competition, they can choose to stick around, or they can choose to take off and start their break. You know. Yeah, and that's and that's the other thing I was thinking too is um, now I know some teams lead into the All Star Game weekend break, and some teams fall out of the All Star weekend with their break. So maybe they just they they align the breaks to where they're both. Yeah, I don't know how you'd do that, but yeah, I mean, well, it, align, it, it, align it in such a way that they could, you know. The, and these... I have considered the league has to be willing to shut all the teams down for a period of five days, let's say. Which we're already in. Which we're already in, but I mean, all 31 teams at the same time. Yeah, because uh, the next game, like NHL game that happens Monday. is tomorrow. But but imagine if you did a bunch of pre-taping stuff like early in the week where you had some of these competitions. Like like the Olympics. There are just some competitions that don't need to be televised. At least live. But what if you pre-taped some stuff with some guys to get them in and out of town real quick? That's they don't happening. have some media obligation. They just come in, do a cool job, and and take off. But then you have taped and then hopefully produced video that you could air on your broadcast partners Monday through Friday of the week and just do some cool non-game stuff. Because, I mean, I think everyone's a bit fatigued at this point of the season where having a break from NHL games but not from hockey content might be nice. And it might also be something cool to show in the arena and on TV when they're going in between events you can you can simplify that even more and um have national media send in their questions and have the teams present those questions to the players before they even leave so you know you have your quote-unquote media day without actually having everybody in one place and you still get all the the interviews and and stuff that you want out of players I mean, I know that that's not like that takes the fun out of the media going from player to player to player, but <laughs> I mean, it's it cuts down on you know travel time too. 
I think when you go into the ringer aspect of it, that opens up those guys that may not be part of those competitions to do more of those types of pieces on skills night. Yeah. You know, those guys that aren't competing in fastest skater, but are competing in the all-star game. Maybe they can be hanging around at an event outside for fans, or they could be, you know, like, like you were suggesting earlier, sitting up at the broadcast booth, you know, given some, given some fluff interview or talking about, you know, how, how annoying it is to watch McDavid and, and Barzell, you know, just take off and be blurs. And how do you defend against that? Or, you know, some anecdote about playing against or with those guys, anything. I think that, I think that takes a little bit of, I don't want to say pressure, but it takes a little bit of responsibility off those guys. If they're not, you know, so they're not feeling compelled. Oh, I've got to work this weekend, sort of thing. You know, I got to go get dressed and schlep out there and do this skills competition. You know, just because, just because I'm playing in the game Saturday. Great, you're here to have fun, wander around, meet and greet people. You know, in your tracksuit or whatever. If you want to wear your sweater, wear your sweater. I don't care. Um. And you can take part in the top golf thing at the end. Opt in, right? But you're not you're not the fastest skater, you didn't qualify, you're not the hardest shot, you didn't qualify. You can opt in to the top golf thing, or you can just hang around and do PR work. Cause I think that helps a great deal with the other thing that we always gripe about player personalities. Yep. I mean, the only person that showed any personality this weekend was Billy Joel Armstrong. <laughs> he. <laughs> but let's be honest, dropping f bombs is like drinking water for everyone involved in these events. Oh, I know. He he's just brave enough not not to give a f <laughs> <laughs> and do it on camera because. What are, just, what are they going to do to him? He has a two-year contract. Well, that was that the funniest thing was watching the reaction to that. And it's like, well, first of all, the reaction when they first signed the deal on the day, I think they announced that the name of their album also had that word in it. Well, they already Obviously. had the song out. The song had been released. Oh, it ha- okay. I, I, I couldn't remember the title. Yeah, the title song for their album, which yeah. Yeah, had already been released like a week or two. And then the okay. N- and, yeah, and then the NHL announces this, this partnership, and I'm like, did you not hear their newest single? <laughs> did you not hear any of their work? <laughs> Have you never seen the cup being passed around and, like, four different expletives have been dropped and no well, one that's, to care? That's where I'm at. Later? Hell, you watch even broadcast today. Um, some broadcasts have the on-ice mics turned up, in their mix and you hear them clear as a bell from the mm-hmm. refs, from the players, from the coaches, you know, well, you heard a few from players in the all-star game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was one of the first, one of the first shooters in the, in the save streak, whatever it was, got one by Jacob Markstrom who let an F bomb out. Clear as a bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, come on. 
And it's yeah. not a bad thing. It's actually showing they he cared. Yeah. That much to be upset. Well, sometimes again, you know, it's like breathing air. It just naturally falls out of them. Yeah. Regardless if it's an all star game or a practice or whatever. But uh, Yeah. Um he and he and uh Billy Joe and Tomas Hurdle made Joe Thornton cry. Because they, they both managed to do things four times in a game that he can't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my last little rant, and I, I this is one of the rare times that I'm going to agree with the teal-tinted glass syndrome that a lot of the San Jose Sharks fan have, it, have is, where was Hurdle's name on the MVP ballot? Dude pots four in a game, in the qualifying game, and then pots the game winner in the championship game. And crickets for his name for MVP? name, and on the West Coast, and so all the East Coast writers are looking around going, who is this guy? Uh, no, they, they put the poll, and <laughs> NHL, I don't know if it was wholly based on the Twitter poll, but they put a poll up with six minutes left in the championship game. And they had their four names selected. Mm. And even then, I'm like, okay, how does the four game, four goals in the game he had prior not qualify him? I mean, I love Leon Dreisaitl, like nobody's business, but, eh, you know, he didn't, he didn't stand out in that game as much as Hurdle did. So, and of course, <laughs> San Jose Sharks fans are so cute. <laughs> Kept complaining, well, how long do we have to pay for the ref's mistake in Game 7 last year? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, let's be honest. So, David Pasternak took home the MVP. How much of that was based on his first game, which was the first game played? Right, because I... On Saturday. He didn't really stand up to me in the championship game? No. Honestly, anyone that wasn't in a Pacific jersey outside of Pasternak did not stand out in the yeah. Well, in looking at it, I know they, I think they tried to pick one from each division, but I, I, you know, I still would have said, why isn't, why isn't Hurdle there over Dreisaitl? Because I, I I get what you're saying, Cassie, you know, he's not a big enough name, but if he did not endear himself to anybody and everybody in the media by donning the Justin Bieber mask to take his shootout attempt on Jordan Bennington, there you're just dead inside and I don't want to know you because <laughs> that was that was awesome that was PK Subban coming out dressed like Yager that was Brent mm-hmm. Burns coming out with a Wookiee mask that's that was funny and that's, and also that's taking the terrible shot too yeah just oh, like yeah. he was Justin Bieber that that was just icing on the cake yeah well I you know, love him because he said I couldn't see anything so I didn't know what I was doing I was just going <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much what Justin Bieber would have looked like. So I think he nailed it. The impersonation was spot on. <laughs> it was just epic. So in short, people, not the three of you, or not the three of us, in short, people, stop bitching about it. It's not for you. It's just a damn game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for a question? Yes. Oh, sure. Take us home. All right. So 
was trying to decide between two different questions. Um, but I think I'm going to go with something that progresses us away from the All-Star game. <laughs> so we had, you know, they had media day and everybody was out there asking their questions and, and you know, the, the media tends to ask the same questions over and over and over and over again. Is there a hockey-related question you would like to ask players generally that just doesn't actually get asked by the media? Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody. <laughs>